Is this yours? James sitting. <laughs> we just love to do that to each other. We kind of need to catch our breath too, I tell you. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Our text today is in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22, and picking up in a moment a few verses before that, Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 19. And I'm going to read that passage in the second point of the sermon to those of you who have uh, the bulletin, because there's where we want to look at that in a very, very close way. And you see the title of the message is Believe and Belong. Let's pray together. Almighty God, we come to this place to be touched and affected and changed. And so we are. And may all of us declare your faithfulness. And I pray in these words here, that we will find the answer to one of the great questions of life and will know that you are the answer. Forgive us of our sins in the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. If you were here last week, I preached a message entitled, that little is enough in Jesus. I've been reading through a book entitled Three Big Questions, Three Big Questions That Every Teenager Is Asking. So lest you, as I said it last Sunday at this moment, think, well, I'm not a teenager, so this is not for me today. But the very important point is, is that the questions that are covered in this book are not just questions that teenagers are asking, they are questions that every one of us are asking in our life. Now last Sunday, that first question was, who am I? Who am I? And as I said last Sunday, sometimes we may say in listening to a message like this, well, I've never asked that question. But I can guarantee you, you've been trying to answer it all your life. And the problem is, is we come up with the wrong answers. The answer that surfaced with so many teenagers that had accepted Jesus Christ is that he had answered that question of who am I? He had answered it, you are enough. In me, you are enough. You're pretty enough, you're smart enough, you're capable enough, you are enough in me. The question for today, and we move directly into point number one is, where do I fit? Where do I fit in this world? And this is a book out of a interview with 2,200 teenagers, and it is their language that we hear. And so one of the questions is, the second one, and the third question will be next week, how can I make a difference? How can I make a difference? The purpose of my life. And so that first question for today, the point number one, is the question, where do I fit? And that is the big question of belonging. Where do I belong? 
Who do I belong with? And the word belonging here means our connection with others. Our connection with others. And in all of those, the teenagers, it boiled down to three very, very, very consistent mindsets. And that is, I believe that I belong where I feel safe. Where I feel safe. Where I feel that people will accept me, where people will care for me, where people will not hurt me. That's where I want to be, where I feel safe. And then that next thing is that thought process of I belong where we share. Meaning when we do something together that is meaningful. And then that third statement is where I feel like I am needed. Now I don't believe that these are just teenage thoughts. And I can tell you this, and I keep mentioning this and Google it sometime. It comes under, you know, some observation and close scrutiny at times. But ever since like I think 1925 with Abraham Maslow came up with his hierarchy of needs, it just keeps coming over and over. And that is every one of us have the same basic needs. He writes them in a pyramid. The bottom level is physical needs of air and water and food. And then it moves to the level of safety. People want to be in a group where they feel safe. Then it moves to a level of belonging. I want to know that I belong somewhere. Then it moves to a level of self-esteem and that is I want to be able to feel good about myself. And then the top level which most definitely is that question next week of can I make a difference is that of self-actualization and that is I've found my place in the world. I have found how I can make a difference in the world. John Huffman in a book that has just been very helpful to me came out a long time ago entitled Becoming a Whole Family. And in it he identifies the emotional needs of those we love and how we can meet them. And I reference it because it parallels Maslow and it parallels just in the past 12 to 18 months, teenagers' responses to where they fit in this world. And John Huffman says these are the four basic emotional needs of every family. Security. What a heartache that across our land there are homes where kids do not feel safe. It needs to be a secure place. It needs to be a place of intimate responses where we let each other know that we love and that we care for them. John Huffman gives the illustration where that one of his big peas was that when he came home, he was a pastor First Presbyterian in Pittsburgh, when he came home in the evening, all the kids' toys would be in the driveway. He was tired, he was exhausted, and you know, like so many of us, not just me and all of us, had that idea of entitlement. They ought to have this driveway clear when I come in. They ought to have it clear when I come in, and I thought I made that clear. So he comes in one night, the driveway is littered with toys, and he gets all, and this thing, Huffman got huffy, okay? 
Sometimes I'm so creative, I surprise myself, you know? And I'm sure I surprise you. But he got huffy and he went in and he began to fuss it and fuming and his wife was at the kitchen at the stove cooking. Now that would have been the set for a real hoedown, amen? He said she just turned around and looked at him and blew him a kiss. And that just defused the whole situation. We need to be loved. We need recognition. Here people want to be a part of something. They want to share with something. They want to feel like they are needed in something. Recognition. Then every family, every family needs a sense of adventure. Something that takes them outside the box. And the last time that some of my children were here, Suzanne, the oldest, and two of her boys were with them. The older one is off in college. Pearson is the youngest. He's eight years old. And so the younger ones had never been to the Swamp Park. So we went out to the Swamp Park. And we did all that was out there at the Swamp Park. And I was amazed when we got in the car and got ready to leave. The eight-year-old, now remember, he's being raised by two bigger brothers. So he is quite advanced for his age. As he got in the car, he said, that was a nice experience, wasn't it? I'm like, what? That was a nice experience. That's what we're looking for in life. We want to feel safe. We want to share. We want to feel like that we are needed. We want to be with people that we can say, that was a nice experience. Well, in each of these, in interviewing them, the two interviewers and they are with Fuller Theological Seminary in Pasadena, California. They come up with these very simple one-word answers. And they're in point number two of the sermon. Last week, that point number two to the question, who am I? Jesus' better answer is, you're enough. And I like that. Because every once in a while, I have to hear that. Bill, you're enough. You're, 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 you're enough. I've made you enough. Jesus' better answer to the question of where do I fit, where do I belong, who, what is my group, and that one word is with, and I belong with God's people. Now that does not mean to the exclusion of everybody else because I'm going to tell you, friend, when you belong to God's people, you're going to get along better with everybody else in the world. Amen? You think you got problems with people, you get right with God. And it'd be amazing how much better you can get along with other people in Jesus Christ. And so the key answer, the beginning answer, the priority answer is, <clears throat> I belong with God's people. Jesus says, if we want to know where do I fit, Jesus says, you fit with me. Isn't that awesome? You fit with me. He came to us as one of us to show us that we belong to Him. We belong to Him. Several years ago, an article was given to me by, in one of Rick Warren's devotional books, in one of the daily devotionals he entitled about the church, and it's a place to belong. The people of God is a place to belong. And he gives these sub-points that you see there, and that is how that when we find our place with the people of God, how that it enriches our life in all other areas. 
And he says, it moves you in Jesus with the people of God. And this is not just about local churches. This is the body of Christ. It moves us, he says, out of self-centered isolation. We were born to belong. God said it is not good for man to be alone. We were born to be in community. We were born to be in connection. And when we are born again, when we are born again, we are born to belong to the people of God. And so it takes us out of our isolation. Some years ago, when my daughter Sarah, and you know, my kids, they, they always said, Daddy couldn't preach without us. And the older they got, you know what? It's like, Daddy, why don't you mention us in your sermons anymore? They're just not as interesting as they used to be, you know. I'm kidding. But Sarah had come from Costa Rica. You know, she, she'd been down there about 17, 18 years. Two children, two young, two boys. They are dual citizens and they are bilingual like crazy. They are just, they, I mean, they, they, can, they can speak it. So, Wesley, uh, Cameron, the firstborn there, they have gone over for the afternoon to Jekyll Island or St. Simon's, one of those places where the children's playground was. Cameron was probably four or five years old. They got out of the car, nice playground, children all over the playground. Cameron wouldn't play. He wouldn't go out there and play. And then a car pulled up and Hispanic children piled out. And speaking Spanish, man, Cameron made a beeline to them. And it was like he was saying, my people, these are my people. And he played the rest of the day and talked with them the rest of the day. That's what we look for. That's what we look for. That place where we can look around and we can say, these are my people. And in Jesus Christ, we belong to one another. I tell this illustration, it's flawed, but it, to me, touches my heart. And it's of a guy standing at the gate of heaven and crowds of people are entering and he's trying to find out where he belongs. And so this group is coming and he asked St. Peter, who are those? And St. Peter said, those are the patriarchs and representatives of the 12 tribes of Israel. And the guy at the gate said, and I'll use the words that I'm using here today, those aren't my people. I don't belong with them. Then another group began to come through and he asked St. Peter, who are they? And St. Peter said, those are the great prophets of the Old Testament. And the man said, I don't belong with them. Then another group came and he said, who are they? And St. Peter said, those are the disciples and the followers of Jesus Christ when he was here on earth. And the man said, I don't belong with them. And then another group, and they were the martyrs down through the ages, and the man said, I don't belong with them. And then it was this massive crowd. And the man asked St. Peter, who are those? And he says, those are the multitudes of sinners who've been saved by grace. And the man said, that's my group. Well, all the others were saved by grace, but he didn't feel qualified to be with them, but he said, that's my group. Sinners saved by grace. 
I was headed to a service in a little town out from here. I have unashamedly told you that I can get lost just before I know it. I, you know, I'm wandering around out there. I don't know what the problem is, but little church, little town, I was going to attend the service. I finally got there. It had just started. They were singing Amazing Grace. After the service, I went up to the family that the reason that I had attended that service, and I said, I'm sorry, I got here just as it started, and I came in on Amazing Grace. The lady looked at me and said, Brother Bill, that's the only way any of us are going to get in. Amen. We got to go in on Amazing Grace. My people moves you out of self-centered isolation. If you are looking for a church of sinners saved by grace, boy, have I got a church for you, amen? We are all here sinners saved by grace. Being a part of the people of God helps us develop spiritual muscle. The Apostle Paul was so heartbroken with the church at Corinth. They just wouldn't grow up in the Lord. They were like babies. They were fighting. They were whining. They were carrying on. He said, I can't give you the real stuff of the faith. I'm still having to give you milk like a baby. But being a part of the people of God will build up our spiritual muscles so that as we go out into the world and we face temptations, We've got on the full armor of God and we are being able to withstand the wiles of the devil. I saw a cartoon one day. I can still see it in my mind. A poor fellow was laying in bed. I don't know if he had a double dose of the flu or what. He looked terrible. It was a cartoon. He had a, one of these hot bags on his head, had a thermometer in his mouth. The preacher was standing there. And the preacher said, you need to rebuke the devil. And the guy said, I ain't in no shape to make anybody mad, preacher. I'm not in any shape to make anybody mad. Well, without the people of God, we are in no shape to get out there in the world, amen? Without spiritual muscle, without spiritual muscle, if we're not careful, Satan will overwhelm us. Why do we belong with God's people? The church moves us out of self-centeredness. The church helps us develop spiritual muscle, but the church needs you. Now, I'm not talking just about Sweat Memorial Baptist Church. I'm talking about the body of Christ throughout the world. The greatest need of our world today, and we discuss this in my Sunday school class, our Sunday school class, the world needs the people of God. America needs people of God. The world needs people of God. The world needs people who will be salt and who will be light. Needs people who will show the world a better way. And I'm telling you, all of this that goes on right now all of this is going on in America. All of this is going on in the world. And we can all come up with all kinds of answers, but I'm going to tell you what, that which will get the job done is the people of God standing up for the principles of God. 
And that will make a difference. The church moves us out of self-centered isolation, helps us develop spiritual muscle. Our friends, our family, our nation, our world needs us. We don't need to be hiding in here. We need to be making a difference out there in the world. And then I wonder about this next one, this word. The church will, and I left out the word help by mistake, will help keep you from backsliding. I wonder how many younger people here have never heard the word backsliding, I wonder. Backsliding is sinning after we've been saved. Backsliding is sinning after we have been saved. I was visited in a home. They'd visited the, a church that I was pastoring. And they asked me to come by and to see them, and so I did. And as the conversation went along, and we're getting better acquainted, I'm just trying to assess where they are spiritually, maybe what their church background is. Are we where they fit? You know, not everybody fits in every church. I pray that when you come in here, you will look around and you'll say, these are my people. I fit here. So as we are talking, this lady looks at me and it let me know right away where she was. She said, uh, does your church believe in backsliding? <laughs> I said to her, they don't only believe in it, we practice it, sister, we practice it. <laughs> Amen. And a one of us has not been a backslider and will be again. Amen. And I said, we practice it. We practice it. We're backsliders. But the church helps us through that. I like the story of the old couple. Look who's calling people old. The old couple, husband, wife, they get in the old truck, pick up, go for a ride one Sunday afternoon. He's behind the steering wheel. She's over against the door. While they're riding out through the country, all of a sudden a little sports car barrels around them, and there's a young man and a young woman in there, and I will just simply say, I don't know what kind of car it was, but it was taking both of them to drive it. You get the picture here? It was taking both of them to drive it. Man, I sure am glad that I dated before bucket seats. And Charlotte could slide right over there next to me. So this car passed by. The old man noticed it. The wife noticed it. Nobody said a word until the lady spoke up and she said, do you remember when we used to sit like that? He was smart. He kept his mouth shut for a few minutes. And then he said, well, honey, I haven't moved. <laughs> the question is, if you're not as close to God as you once were, who moved, right? It's time to move back. And the church will help us and love us. And when one of us falls, the apostle Paul said, Restore them with a spirit of gentleness or you'll be next. And so the people of God, the people of God help us find that group that we really belong in and helps us to be strong and to make a difference in the world. And when we are not what we ought to be, that church will help restore us.
Chuck Swindoll wrote a book years ago entitled Three Steps Forward, Two Steps Backwards. Meaning that one day we might make three steps and the next day we may fall back two steps. Now, Charles didn't ask me, but I did the math. Three steps forward, two steps backwards, you still gain one step, amen? Glory to God. And every day you can gain some steps. Where do, where do I belong? Where do I fit? We fit with family. We fit with friends. We fit where we work. We fit where we go to school. You follow me? We're not excluding all of these groups. But when we find our place with Jesus Christ and with God's people, we'll fit a whole lot better in other places. We will fit a whole lot better. And so what do we do? We do what the answer to that question was last Sunday, who am I? Which Jesus said, you're enough. And so how do you become enough? You say yes to Jesus. Well, where do I fit? And Jesus says, this is so precious. You fit with me. You belong with me. And so we say yes to Jesus. And this is where we come to an invitation. And sometimes I assume that some people may know what this next moment is about. But this next moment is an invitation that if God has spoken to you in this sermon, and typically, you know, I will of course be standing down here and there's all kinds of decisions that you can make and you can share with me. There's all kinds of decisions that you can make and go home between you and God. But typically, somebody will come, I pray, and say, I want to give my life to Jesus. I am publicly here today becoming a Christian. Some will come and say that I want to join this church and we will help you to do that. Some might come and say, I want to rededicate my life to Jesus. And some may come and say, Brother Bill, would you just pray for me? And this altar is always open. It's always open. And so the whole purpose of the worship service, the whole purpose of the sermon is to bring us to a point of decision. And if it's a decision that you feel, today is the day that I want to make this decision. I want to belong to Jesus. I want to belong with his people. Or I want to belong to this church. However God speaks to your heart. I'll take care of you. We'll take care of you. You will not be embarrassed. As we stand and sing and